From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 114, and today I'm joined by Will Perkins, who is the man behind ThatShelf.com, as well as Jessica Greco, a friend of the podcast, who if you've listened to this thing, you know who Jessica Greco is. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Notorious. I'm Jeremy, and I have not seen this movie. I am Jessica Greco, and I have obviously not seen this movie. Uh, I'm Will Perkins, and I have not seen this movie somehow, even though I've seen most of Hitchcock stuff. Weirdly. Virgin episode all around. Ooh. I also, until just like half an hour ago, didn't know anything about this movie, even the cast, and then I slipped up and uh, and grabbed... I, I went on IMDb just to see the running time, because I was curious, and of course, I saw a picture, I'm like, No! Because I wanted to go in completely blind, right. but I know. So I now I know who the leads are, which upset me greatly. But that's okay. I don't, do you know? Are we allowed? It's it's Cary Grant and uh, Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. <gasps> really? Yeah. Do you know? Well, I mean, how much Hitchcock have you seen? This will be my first Alfred Hitchcock film. What? what? Yeah. So we are also breaking your Hitchcock cherry. Yes, we're breaking it. We're breaking it. Is that how it works? Breaking I thought it? you popped a cherry, but oh. we can break mine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's just pop it. Let's okay. not break it. <laughs> cool. I don't know. I don't know what Hitchcock is going to do. I guess we'll have to go yeah, check you, back okay, in you, later. You let us know after what it did to your cherry. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Thank you. Good Lord. Thank you. Oh, wow. So you've never seen any Hitchcock movies. No. Hitchcock. This yeah. is an interesting first choice, I think, because it's not one of his like big, big, big... Like it's definitely it's definitely up there as far as like Hitchcock canon goes, I think. But you know, when you think Hitchcock, you think like Psycho, yes, or North by Northwest, or uh, Birds, Vertigo, Birds, yeah, Vertigo, like Vertigo. those are Rebecca. the yeah. But th- this one, I think, is like really respected, but not so much like when someone says Alfred Hitchcock, they go Notorious. They I go. think it's like I think it would be considered what they call one of his deep cuts. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and Criterion just put it out. So that's so you know it's great. So you know it's, it's you know the, you know it's, it's the least, canon, yeah. I got my, my super criterion shirt on now. That's a uh, that's a handy podcast prop. <laughs> um, they uh, well you the nice thing about criterion is you at least know it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It might not be a perfect film, uh, but it, there's going to be something about it that goes, oh, that's really. What's the definition of like a criterion collection? Well, criterion is a, a company that they're a distribution company that that uh, is launching their uh, or by the time this airs they'll have launched it many many weeks or months ago. Uh, it's pri- it was it's primarily started off as Laserdisc, and then it's moved into DVD and now Blu-ray, uh, but now they're, um, they're, they have their own streaming service as well. 
which is ridiculously low priced. People are very excited for that in the in our in our. Uh, oh, it's <laughs> ten bucks a month. It's yeah, ten it's bucks really a month because really I mean, Criterion discs are also notoriously expensive. Not super expensive, but they're. A but bit why? More. Like they're, they're really like the, the whole like if a t- for a title to be in the Criterion collection, it's like it's sort of curated by the Criterion people. So it would be it would be a beautiful transfer of the movie. It'll look good. It'll be restored. It'll have lots of special features that sort of like contextualize the film and like yeah. commentaries and. It started yeah. off as like it started off as they had the entire library of uh, Janus films, which is kind of all the European masters. So okay. like basically like you've got and also like Kurosawa and those guys. So they they started off with all of those films, and it was the idea that they were kind of like we'll say curating them, but also restoring them and keeping them up to date. So especially in this era where things are more and more disposable and passed over, you know, they're going back and taking the time to go back and restore old movies and make like 4K prints gotcha. and do that kind of stuff. Like they just redid, I have it over there, they did redid the entire in- in- Ingmar Bergman library pretty much. You know, so they're preserving films as well. And so when you're paying a little bit more for a criterion, that's part of what, you know you're, part, you're almost like, Part of it is for the disc. Part of it is for like these amazing special features they put together. They make like original documentaries and stuff for the discs, and usually these beautiful booklets and essays. But what you're also kind of paying for is to help their their mission and journey of making these these things available and possible for future generations. That's so lovely. Yeah. So and then and but what's amazing because usually most Criterion titles go for unless you get them on sale, which they have sales throughout the year you get them for 30 to 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not cheap, but you're getting a really high quality. So that's why this is a great deal. This te- I feel like we're doing an it's, ad for Criterion. No, oh, I love the Criterion endorsed? channel. Yeah, people are very excited about it because it's, it's going to have their whole collection plus Yeah, so stuff for 10 bucks a month, yeah. you can stream, stream their entire collection and they're going to have specials every month. There'll be also additional content that they're... Well, like, all the special features will be there. And, and the the really different thing about this is rather than Netflix, just, be, just it being like a wall of... Like here's a bunch of stuff. They're like curating it. They're like they're like you, right. this is the theme this month, and you're gonna watch this this and this, and we're gonna have some cool filmmaker like do a nice intro to this movie you're about to watch. And yeah, it's really really. Cool. So they have the entire their entire library, but they're also yeah, it's like this month's theme is this, or they they do like double feature Fridays or something, and every Saturday they do a family film. They're doing or their version of a family mm-hmm. film, you know. <laughs> <Look out. laughs> no, but they'll do like Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. they've already announced their lineup for April. It's not um, all our house stuff. They, they, Armageddon was once once on the Criterion Collection. As was, yeah. as was Robocop. Robocop. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and now, and even now, it's interesting because now it's as they're kind of like going through their library and they're adding more. They're also, uh, and the beauty thing is, is that because um, other companies are like letting their digital physical media lapse, they're not upgraded there's a lot of films that just never got the blu-ray treatment or never moved up right so things like princess bride the breakfast club Ooh. these are movies that they're now criterions huh you know so they've done these beautiful amazing editions of, of these like classic a collection of movies that you know we love from our so now it's interesting it's now it's like those movies from our childhood are coming up and they're doing really cool editions mm. of those as well election another movie i've never seen it's great you got another episode right here. It's true. Oh, I can literally. I'm gonna take like, you, Norm. Yeah, I'm gonna take you. If I, it's it's pretty rare that I uh, I, I uh, can't find Jessica to help. <laughs> I think there's a couple. There's a couple. I have I have a few coming up. I've, I've um, one of the upcoming episodes is gonna be Temple of Doom. I found oh, wow. someone who saw Raiders but not Temple. Wow. I collect people like that. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Right. So what? I guess 
Um, how have you never gotten around to seeing a Hitchcock movie? Mm, I mean, I feel like this is my answer for everything. everything yeah. yeah. Um, uh, honestly, I, they looked long and boring. That's fair. They always looked like I understood that they, that, you know, the Hitchcock blonde and that people loved them and revered them, but they didn't really. When I was getting excited about film, the kinds of films I was getting excited about were way more gritty and grungy and and guerrilla. And this seemed like like old Classic Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, eh. I, I, I was like, is it going to be Dancing Girls like that? Although ironically, I will, I will say that of the time, Hitchcock was that was the gritty, grungy. Yeah, because because the kind of films we were making were like dark thrillers, which was that way era. out of sorts for what was coming out of Hollywood at the time, and especially I think with this movie. It's supposed to be sort of like it, it, it's viewed as sort of a turning point for his career before he was making right. a lot of those stodgy studio, more studio focused pictures, like really sort of uh, uh, just old fashioned stuff. And then this is like him sort of turning that, twisting it a little bit, from what I understand. Yeah, so, so it's interesting, but but that's a, a lot of people's perceptions of a lot of older movies. They see yeah. black and white, yeah. they think older. Like I know for the longest time that was it kind of was. I assumed Kurosawa would be overly long and boring, but and I and it was just about a year or two ago that I finally started watching his movies. And I was like, "Holy shit, these are candy! They're so entertaining, you know." And so I I shamed myself, and now I've watched almost everything that I can get my hands on of his. And I think that's just I think that's and that's kind of part of the the mission of this podcast too. Is the idea that it's like, you know, get out of your comfort zone and. And tr- at least try. Try something new. You do. You, you're very good at it, Jen. No, no, no. I was going to say, I was saying to someone earlier today that you have, like, now influenced my, like, perception of film because I'm always this guest who's like, I don't know. And you showed me <laughs> Annie Hall for the first time. What else did we... I'd never seen Mulholland Drive or any... Uh, anything that he had done before, that yeah. Lynch had done before, except for, like, some weird episode of Twin Peaks, like something random. <laughs> but, yeah, there's been a lot of film that you've just been like, here, try this, Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Classic, nice classic film. You're doing, you're doing, yeah, this is, this is God's I'm work. I'm your audience. You're doing God's work. <laughs> you are. You're, well, the well, God of my idolatry. Uh, uh. Well, speaking of which, then, let's, let's do God's work some more, and let's watch Notorious. This is about Biggie Smalls, right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yes. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. And? I loved it. There were things about it that were terrible, but I loved it. What was terrible, Jess? Well, I mean, it's of an era. Yeah. So there's some just real gaping holes of, like, misogyny and stuff. I don't think they're gaping. I think they're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's built into the plot. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Every man in the movie thinks she's a horrible person. She's a she's a she's a tramp, uh, and she actually she deserves. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. By Pretty being much. poisoned. Yeah. Well, the men in her life are poisoning her. Yes, and in more ways than one. And, and and she's doing all this to win the affection of one of the men in her life. Yeah. After like not testifying and her father going to jail and then her father like she's really this put upon character who's really made out to be quite the um like devious character for some reason. But she's also the hero. Really the movie from her point of view. She right? she, she helps expose the the plot and and gets the job done eventually despite being, you know, 
everything that's going on to her. Horrible poisoning, you know, just the situation with all those yeah. scary-looking men in well, the Let's back the up mansion. for a second, yeah. then, before we're getting yeah. into minutia. But So what did you think overall, Will? I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I, I haven't seen a ton of Hitchcock's stuff from the 40s, and, and you can definitely see, like, seeds of, of later work and, and just, like... Oh, just it was it was gorgeous to look at. Like it was super, super, super well shot, and and uh, just uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know the 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 terrible problematic things aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which are sort of you know come part and parcel with that era and and that kind of story. But but no, it was it, it was great. It was great. Yeah, he's such a man. I, every every time I watch a new Hitchcock or a new for me. I'm always reminded, I'm like, oh, right, you're the master of knowing exactly where the camera should be and when. Right. Like, just knowing what that point of view should be is always so specific and strong. Uh, and I found, what was, what, I, I kind of went on this journey with this movie because it took a while. I found myself getting kind of lost in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also intentional. I think it's like mm-hmm. the movie's being vague about what her dad did, what mm-hmm. the mission is, because they didn't quite know. I got, yeah, I love how they sort of just they just dangle those threads. They don't they don't explain everything, and you're just sort of you're you're there with with uh, Ingrid Bergman's character of just like okay, you've been thrust into this unknown situation. Figure it out, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then well, who are you going to be? But, but and, and it, 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 it does a typical tropey thing that movies of this era do where. You know, she instantly falls in love with Cary Grant because the movie needs her to. He's so handsome, though. Yeah. But he is handsome and charming. But also really, really cold. Super aloof. Like... So aloof. He's a spy! I know, but even at the end, I'm not sure. He's like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Is he just saying that to get her out of the house? Yeah, to get an asset out of the house. To get the asset out of the situation. You know what? I mean, it's vague. I I think that's left up to you. Mm Mm-hmm. He does go and see his boss while his boss is at home in bed eating crackers. Yeah, he didn't wait for the next day. It's true. He interrupted the man's uh, cracker session, so it must have been serious business. It's interesting to me that you call her the hero of the movie, because although I think that she's probably the secret hero of the movie, she needs to be rescued at the end of the movie. She's going to die. Well, that's because it's the 1940s and she's a woman. They all need to be rescued. But that's what I mean. So technically, she doesn't get to be the hero of the movie. He's the hero of the movie because he saves her and saves... The day, essentially, even though she's the one doing all of the heavy lifting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say she's the hero of the movie because it takes place from her point of view. Right. You I know, see. it's like when the movie starts. She's the protagonist. The, yeah, she's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Like the movie literally follows her. It's like Cary Grant disappears for large mm-hmm. chunks of That's it. That's true. You know, and it's like pretty much every scene is is from her point of view. From the beginning, like from the very opening, it's the court case, and she. It's that opening shot. It drives past those reporters, just looking into the courtroom. We never go in, yeah. and then the first person that comes out is her. She mm-hmm. walks out. And we follow her, right, and right down to literally point of view shots of when she's drunk driving. We're getting her point of view. Yeah, when she's, she's waking up. Yeah, that great yeah. shot when she wakes up hungover and, and it spins that, around upside down. The Cary Grant. Yeah, right to the end of the, all that kind of stuff. Like we're only ever really given her point of view. All those shots of. You know, the key, floating in on the key. You know, Cary Grant is a secondary lead. I'm sure he got first billing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, maybe he didn't. I have to look. I think he did. I'm sure he did. I think he did. Uh, because 1940. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the movie is definitely, it's hard to call her the hero. Well, that's why I take umbrage with it. Is she the protagonist? Yes. Is she the hero? I don't think I, so. I think by sort of like the fact that 
Cary Grant was the one who put her in that situation. He is the one who has to get her out of it. Sure, like, but that's that's the turn for his character. But I argue she's the hero in the sense that she's got the most at stake, and she's, but she's the one putting up, her though. I don't. Uh, has she she's, up? Yeah, she's like resided herself to die at that point. Well, I think she doesn't have much of a choice. She's no. too weak to get out of there. And they're sedating her while she's poisoned. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she's sort of like once Harry, once Harry Grant, once Cary Grant um, is going off to Spain. Yeah. She knows they're poisoning her. Like she's just sort of like she doesn't she's have out. an out. She doesn't have an out at that. She doesn't point. have an out, so she's like, I guess this is it for me. Yeah. I guess I just sail into the sunset. Well, here. yeah, she. You're right. She has resigned herself to that. But the moment he shows up, she's she has some kind of hope again. But he is the one. It is. It's not a traditional like modern the way we would do it now, where she's going to get herself out of her own trouble or her own jam. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. A modern that's... redo of this movie would be you'd have a different ending. The... Although, fuck that ending is great. Just, it is. Yes. We'll talk about that. We'll get to that. But it is. But just in terms of like the like the sort of problematic glaring hole of misogyny, like that's sort of the the crux of it for me. I mean, all, other than the obvious things, like don't worry about the what the women do for a living. Then there's no women Exactly. Why would there be women at the party? But so for me, it's just sort of lies in that sort of like. Well, I guess I'm just here to die. But. Yeah. But the irony of that idea of like of them sending in a secret agent. To a party saying, pay attention only to the men. It's like, wait a minute, you have a female secret agent. Why the fuck wouldn't you assume maybe they've done the same? What do you mean? Well, just the fact that she's, they're saying, oh, don't pay attention to any women. Not that there's any women, but say there were. Oh, I see. The idea that they say, oh, the women aren't important at the party. It's right. Like, but yeah, but if on the other side. Well, they're dumb men and we've established that. Yeah, but that's the kind of thing where I was like, <laughs> oh. crackers in bed. The model would be great. What I would do in the modern version of this, I'd have the exact same line. Right. And say that shitty moment. But the one person that was important at the party be a woman. Right. Well, and, the, and mo- the mother. The mother. Sebastian, Mrs. Sebastian uh, uh, was the, the chief, chief operator. It's true. In that. In that well, one was, assumes they already know yeah. about her. Yeah. Right. And, and she clocks the fact that that Ingrid Bergman's character is... Right is, away. There's yeah. something up. Yeah, she like, knows. Trust her. Yeah. She's so excited when yeah. the sun finally comes Lighting around. Lighting the cigarettes in bed. Yeah. That's her celebratory smoke. I she, knew that's it. Like, she just got fucked. And she just yes. wants to have a cigarette. She's like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Oh. Tell me more about how your wife's a bitch and cheated on you in more than one way. I wish that movie was in color so many times. Oh, really? I, I thought the black and white was... It was stunning, yeah. but I just kept thinking, like, what color is that hat. dress? What color yeah. is that room? What color is that marble? Well, yeah, especially a setting like Rio, where it would be so colorful. The hats. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the uh, the art direction on that movie clearly was stunning, and there's at least 50% of yeah. it that I'm just not seeing. Oh, you got to come back then and see some uh, some Hitchcock with color. Okay. There's some great... The Technicolor ones are fantastic. Yeah, like North by Northwest, uh, Rear Window. Vertigo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just gorgeous. he does color well once he starts doing it. Yeah, I really liked it. I really, really did. It really satiated um, an appetite for something that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, and it took a while. Like it was a bit, and that's what I liked about it. it was a slow. It's a small story in a lot of ways. You know, the, it's a very small cast. It's kind of. Uh, it's not quite a contained thriller, but it kind of is. You know, there's not a ton of locations. Um, I don't even think they were. They, there's no way they were in Rio. Like, no, they're in studio. They're all like backdrops, like uh, you know the the rear projection. Even for just shots of them sitting on the bench, it was. Yeah, they were on set the whole time, yeah. except for I think that there's that one scene where they're on that carriage ride. Right, where they're on the horses. Yeah, where that was out. In feels feel, feels very out of place. Yeah, but it feels like they're they're probably at Pinewood in London yeah. the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're in Southern California. They're just like. <laughs> Yeah, or I don't know. I'm trying to remember where Hitchcock shot most of the stuff. I feel like it was in England. 
I think he might have been. He may, he might may have moved over to Hollywood by that point, like late forties. But late forties. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is around that time. Yeah. 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 I just love. I love the slow burn and just how more. And, and it's just it's it's his like he the, the movie feels very like it, it goes from being just kind of uh, like this silly not silly love story but. You know, their, their banter and how sweet they are, and there's those great quippy lines off yeah. the top that they have that's, with each that's other. That's Ben Hecht, the, the screenwriter, just, like, yeah. incredible, incredible work. And, um, yeah, but I love the fact that it was, there was a contained story. We never really got a revelation of, like, what is this uranium being used for? What are they doing with it? Yeah. Like, it was yeah. just... It was sort of the, the MacGuffin. It was in the background. and but at the time, Also, like, why weren't they all sick? Because they were just handling this uranium ore. I, I don't why think they were knew. they all in tuxedos all the time? <laughs> in Rio, yeah. with no in air conditioning. In Rio. Yeah, it's true. Well, because it, it's also interesting, like, to think about, I read, like, when I, uh, I accidentally w- was looking up the, um, the, not accidentally, on purpose, I was looking <laughs> up the running time and, and found out the cast name. There was also a couple little trivia things that just popped up there. And one of them was that, um, Alfred Hitchcock claimed that because of, um, the uranium, uh, plot in the movie, he was followed by the he was tracked by the FBI following the release of the movie. But here's the thing: think about the era. Think no, about for sure. forty six. The Russians had probably not even had the bomb by that point. Like that was that was around the same time, like nineteen forty five, forty six. Right after the war was when like you the U S was the only country with the with the uh, the atom bomb. So it's very timely in that respect. Like you think about the uranium as the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is fun. Um, after filming ended, Cary Grant kept the famous Unica key. A few years later, he gave the key to his great friend and co-star Ingrid Bergman, saying that the key had given him luck and hoped it would do the same for her. Many years later, as a tribute to Sir Alfred Hitchcock, Bergman went off script and presented the key to him to his surprise and delight. So he came back to Hitchcock at the end. That's fun. Uh, Oh God, Isabella Rossellini looks like her mother. Yeah, I yeah. almost forget that, but and they, they even sound alike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they never got into it, but I guess, so Hitchcock and, and Ben Hecht consulted a Nobel Prize winner about how to make an atomic bomb. He refused <laughs> to answer, but confirmed that the Princeton ingredient uranium could fit in a wine bottle. Wow. Okay, I can see why he was followed yeah, by the FBI at fair. that point. You're going and talking to uh, A-bomb experts? That's yeah, and I, ha- I haven't watched it, but I just saw on the on the disc, there's, some, uh, there's a documentary just talking about how like this came out in that era. Because mm-hmm. that's the other thing, too. We watch this now as a, as a, it feels like a period piece. Right. But at the time, the stuff they're talking about is of the era. Yeah. You know, of yeah. spies and mm-hmm. espionage yeah. and countries, yeah, that, secrets. That post-war, yeah, pre-Cold War, just like, you know, and those are the Germans, I guess, what, trying to build a bomb to get back at, at the U.S.? <laughs> like, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I have to say, I found all the acting to be beautiful. Um... And then there would be these moments of like the time that would just like rip me out of it, like the kissing. Like you know what? I literally just read something about this. The legendary on again, off again kiss between Carrie and Carrie Grant and Roman was designed to skirt the Hayes Code that restricted kisses to no more than three seconds each. Oh, so they they kept it going for like three minutes, but all packed, but like wait, little packs, two seconds yeah, at a time, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like brushing to... their lips against each other. But there's something more intimate, romantic about that. There is, but I see it and I instantly go, "Oh, they're not a, like I see the the 
the law or the boundary or whatever this code is. Yeah. Or just like when when he goes and takes her up to bed and there's two beds because at that time we couldn't portray a couple sleeping together. Also, I think with Cary Grant, some of the coldness maybe to that was yeah. because he was playing her because he saw her as an asset. You know, he wasn't all there. He didn't seem all there in that scene when I was... When they were doing that pack, I don't know. And she calls him on it, which is great. Yeah, yeah. which is nice. He's kind of ha- he's always kind of half. He there. just seems removed. Yeah, yeah through yeah. it. Yeah. Um, in terms, and she seems so desperate. Yeah, for it. Yeah, but we also have no context for her, like what her life was like before. Well, her father. Huh? She had this strained relationship with her father, and she refused to testify um, because she loved America. And then her father goes to jail and dies in jail for being yeah. as a traitor. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just everything we know about her is told from the perspective of, you know, the, the CIA or the FBI or whoever the these guys are. The men in her life. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. a tramp. She gets around. She, she can, you know, work a guy and, and, and get us in with these, these uh, folks in Brazil. So there are a lot of assumptions that are sort of loaded in there by the men in the movie. She may not be like Yeah, like the only all. context we really get for her is that opening scene where she's having a party with friends and clearly... Knows how to drink. And have friends that yeah. will. What does she say? They'll dry them. They'll, uh, they'll, the steam will fall off them and they'll let themselves out. There's something great lying. Well, her, hus- her husband, her father's just been like sentenced to jail. It's yeah. weird, weird, weird time to have a party. It is, but I get the like <laughs> the desire to blow off steam. Yeah. The vibe of the party is weird. The vibe yes. is very like Who are these people? cocktail party. Oh, he just wandered in a yeah. party crasher. Yeah. Interesting. Her drunk acting in that scene was phenomenal. Yeah. So good. So good. Like I, I said, they're going. I think they. She actually she got just which maybe yeah. she did. Yeah. Also, like you don't, you don't really notice Cary Grant until she's she goes like, "Who's this guy?" Oh, I love that. He's in the he's in the frame yeah. for most of the scene, and you just see the silhouette. Uh, very, yeah. very cool. Again, it's like Hitchcock just knows where the camera should be and just does a subtle thing, and like he's showing off there, and then the movie plays kind of straight for a while. Until really uh, the key comes into play, mm-hmm. and then he starts getting really stylistic again. The crane shots. The, the crane yeah. shot, that really amazing zoom into the key in her hand in the middle of the party. It just keeps on going and going. And then just the way we're just following that, that is it brandy or coffee? I guess they get Oh, the shit. coffee shot. That was, yeah. that was amazing. And, and you just you don't notice it until you realize, whoa, like this is all one shot. There's a, a bunch of scenes like that. that. You just don't expect that from a, a movie of this, this vintage, like that kind of active, interesting camera movement. I felt that way when she um, realizes that she's drugged and she mm-hmm. stands up and the lighting effects change and you see the silhouettes of the mother and Sebastian... Uh, and their shadows Maybe and all that stuff. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus. This is the Hitchcock that I yeah. was expecting. Yeah, and there's something beautifully symbolic with that, too. They, they, they literally become shadows now. They're yeah. no longer these people that she knew and thought she could trust. But that's what... I also love that it's like... It's it's it's, it's a movie where all the characters are smart. And they're all yes. doing like... Even though she... Like, what I like about her character, even though we're getting the misogyny and the tropes, she... she you know, calls them on all that shit too. She yes. like she says it's like you don't you know, you always hit me below the belt. And like she has she's not just some damsel who doesn't know that maybe she's being played. It's almost like she's like, I know you're playing me and I'm okay with it because I can't handle I can't control my feelings for you. Mm-hmm. And That's I'm get, and, and it's almost like she's taking the upper hand saying that it's like I'm gonna allow my feelings to be what they are despite how you feel. 
Oh, that's interesting. And there, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to make a. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to make some, it nice. Trying to make some lemonade out of this, Jess. And there is also that like pro-America, like post-war propaganda piece a little bit. To, you know, where he plays that recording of her being like, "I love this country. Yeah, exactly. It's the best. I would never betray it." And like oh, that's his code. You got to do but that. But that's always in the back of her, of her character's head in theory that she's doing this. You know, because she doesn't like what her dad was doing and she wants to nail and these guys. And she loves the U.S. And then she falls in love with a man. So really, Cary Grant is the giant metaphor for the United States, Jess. Um, <laughs> go with it, Uncle Sam. Yeah. yeah, what what was it? What was it? she had a line about about uh, something? His one hand in his pocket and the other, I can't remember. What the it was. one in your checkbook or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. But she didn't say that on the recording. Yeah. That's for sure. What do you guys think of Claude Rains in this movie? He was he was Sebastian. I loved him in it. I've yeah. sort of been waiting for a moment just because what I love is that he really does seem to be in love with her. Oh, he totally is. He's like this puppy dog. And the moment her. when and I love that like. The journey is great. Like it's so like again, everyone's being sm- every character is smart in this movie. You know the idea that when he comes down into the cellar, Cary Grant's like, "We got to make him think we're having an affair because otherwise he's gonna wonder why we're down here." Yeah, and plays into his jealousy, and that's smart. But then of course he, you know, he notices the key, and and then right away, and it's not like it takes a while. Like right away, they're on it, and they know not to tell. You know, it's just yeah. I just love all the stuff that's going away and how it all just plays into mm-hmm. the ending. Because you, you kind of empathize with him, you know, right into that last shot where he's like, take me with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm screwed. No, I'm so screwed. Nope. You're a Nazi. You get to say. Oh, no, not a Nazi. They're, no, not a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, some other kind of. No, they're, well, they're German, right? Not I, German. I, are they I Russian? Think, no, they're, they're German. They're German. I thought, yeah. I thought they're, the implication is that they're trying to carry on like the Third Reich's. Activities. Yeah, I guess that's true. They're never definitive. Yeah, they never Nazis, go. Yeah, but, yeah. But that cast of characters when they but show up, like, yeah. you guys look like Nazis. That yeah. final shot where it the just, guy's smoking in the doorway and he has two, to yeah, two silhouettes. He just turns around, he goes, and that door closes, and it just holds for a second, and it's like, yeah, that's it. You know how that's going. He's dead, and she got saved at the end. And I hope so. Hopefully, hopefully. It's, it's interesting as I was watching it, his character. And sort of the relationship with his mother. Like, this is a recurring trope in Hitchcock. You know, these sort of, like, mama's boys uh, who have serious mother issues. And, like, there's a vague implication that he might be, like, a closeted homosexual, I think. And this, is, this again comes well, up... Well, he's not a young bachelor. He's an older bachelor, and he's constantly complimenting uh, other men on their, like, handsomeness and attractiveness. He, he points it out for the, the station chief guy of Cary Grant. He, Bunch of times, yeah. Um, there's a similar character in Strangers on a Train. Yep, and of course, Psycho is the most sort of famous example. Right, of, uh, your mother. The the baddie with is the guy with the mommy issues. So yeah, it's just sort of interesting. Oh, there it is again. Like, He's the hero of that movie. <laughs> um, Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just I just loved. I mean, what I loved about the ending too is I sat there going, "This could go so many ways," and it would fit within like what Hitchcock does. Like, you believe that she could die at this point. Yeah, I really thought she was going to die. with the Hayes production code, you could argue that it's like, well, she, she had... just desserts, yeah. She had her just desserts because she was a floozy. Yeah. And she drank <laughs> and she carried yeah. on with men yeah. when she was un- unmarried men. Yeah, you could, picture, you could picture, like, Cary Grant just leaving her to her, her fate, like, going there and having to leave her. That staircase was begging to have someone fall down I know. Well, I was you really... keep watching Hitchcock. There's a lot of yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Although, my favorite scene with that Sebastian character was the one where he sits down with her for their, like first date and he's so nervous and they do notice the other FBI guy in the restaurant but he's just like there was something so lovely about both of them in it and 
they're just sitting at a table having like a two-hander conversation. And then after that, the rest of the movie becomes kind of action-based. Mm. It feels like anyway. Yeah. It does yeah. start very talky and slow. Yeah. But we but, but I but I there's something about that scene because you know he's going to be the bad guy, but you like from that scene on you like him. You like him sort of instantly. And that's what makes the movie great because it's not, he's not just the it's not black and white. He's not a cookie cutter villain. You you know he's the stooge actually. Mm. Yeah, he's he's the he's um, the wealthy guy that they're taking advantage of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. potentially. Yeah, and but also it's just not like, not to apologize for Nazis, but no, no, no. <laughs> but he's kind of caught in between, between a rock and a hard place. They take advantage of him. You know, we don't really get a lot of context for him either. But whether what, is he one of the really really bad ones, or is he just some person that got caught in the middle of it? And it's like if you don't hold on to the uranium in the wine cellar. He was also friends with her father, and then the father I think was the was the old school yeah Maddie, yeah. and he's just the son with the you know mother who's way into it as well. But I just like that he was like friends with her father. Her father passed away, and within and went to jail, passed away, and he was like, I always thought you were cute. I always <laughs> I always had a soft spot for you. Yeah, just I mean, swooped right in the there. The implication is definitely that he's older than her. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, if he was friends, probably somewhere between her age and her father's age, not quite. I don't think he was a contemporary of her father. Mm-hmm. Well, he made it sound like he was older than Cary Grant. Well, she described herself yeah. as a brat when they initially yeah. knew. So she was probably very young when. Yeah. First and met. he took a liking to her then. Yeah. Not, he fell uh, in love with her. Right, yes. Yeah. And well, that's why they picked her, because yeah. they knew that, right? That they, they, tar- was there. they targeted him. On purpose. What did he like? What was his job title? Rich, 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 rich dude. He was some sort of industrialist. There was money there. Yeah, we never saw him at the office. They sort of said his company. Sebastian name, like, Enterprises. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He manufactured uranium. No, they just he just stored it, right? Yeah. No, but well, didn't they say like the family was part of Germany's war effort? Like that was that was their thing. They were helping finance the war effort. Fi- oh, or something. Great. Yeah. But that still doesn't answer where the money came from. War profiteering. And they, and they profit from it. True, that's fair. Okay, he deserved the bad guys. You know what? I, I don't feel bad for Sebastian at all. That's he fine. deserved everything he got. That's fine. And, uh, and his mother, too. Fuck her and the horse she rode in on. Yeah, she's she was she's she was like the specter of death. That's Disorder, the mother-in-law. Yeah. That mother-in-law is just floating around the house. That's the fear of, I think, everyone. Yeah. At a giant, giant house. Yeah. And a never-ending braid. Just hair that goes on Infinite in his braid. Yeah. yeah. And she slept in it, too. Yep. Can you imagine she threw that thing out? Right next to that picture of her son. <laughs> I want to believe that it's like she actually, there's nothing actually holding the hair in anymore. It is just like, it turned into some kind of a dreadlock in there. It's just, yeah, it's just, that's how it is now. Yep. Solid block of hair. <laughs> it's a solid block of hair. There's no pins in it anymore. She's just worn it that way for so long. It doesn't grow. It doesn't do anything. No. It's not dead. It understands its, its place. It's not dead. It's not alive. It's just what it is. So this movie was not about Biggie Smalls. It was not. Well, that's... I mean, you could just, you could, you really read into some stuff. I and, could. I could. But I feel misled. Yeah, I'm going to say it's not. Okay. It was. It won some Oscars. I can't remember which ones. I but believe it. The internet will tell me that if I uh, go to the For right page. For special effects. Here. It was fun oh. noticing. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. noticed uh, at the beginning. Claude Rains was nominated. The opening yeah. credits of the film, there was only two special effects art- artists listed under the special effects team. And that doesn't exist anymore. No, the two special effects? Yeah. 
Yeah, it uh, there there's like pages and pages, and the special effects in this was just basically screen. Well, there's that. There was a really great shot when they were at the horse track, and they were looking in her binoculars. Oh, yes. There was like a real yes. projection inside of that where I'm like, that was definitely done in post. That was And that's cool. actually for the time is a really pretty cool, really impressive. Cool. Yeah. 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 And there was also another shot in the rearview mirror where they definitely oh where yeah, she flips he it down like, it. you see the police officer on the, yeah. on the motorcycle. So those are, those are the special effects. So I, I don't know if rear projection would have been considered a special effect at that point. That's true. I, it probably would have been pretty standard, like on the lots, doing yeah. that kind of thing. But there was a, I feel like there was a lot of it, more so than... Yeah. Because just all those scenes of them like sitting on benches, even when they were at the little cafe. The horse riding. Like the shot reverse yeah. shot in the cafe was like, it was all... It was all in projection. studio. Yeah, yeah. 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 Keep, keep it on Amazing. the studio. Keep it simple. Apparently, yeah, I, I, think, I don't think Hitchcock particularly like to travel and oh i don't think i can't so. imagine him in rio de janeiro in the heat it's just i don't know i don't know he was in a studio yeah. there no. was no way those Not actors were in rio but, but I didn't even, somehow yeah. they were dressed and like miami to rio like it was two, yeah two uh two very warmer warm no, climbs they're all yeah and there was no like exteriors to really sell right. either location yeah yeah well just a couple a couple of shots that were clearly doubles if you looked closely enough yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that sort of a Hitchcockian thing? Like, I remember at one point asking you guys, did they get married? Because we just, like, skipped the marriage, skipped the honeymoon. They went from be- talking about being engaged to returning from their honeymoon. And is that sort of a Hitchcockian a uh, lot move? Of a, to yada yada over yeah. the ellipses? Yeah. Well, I mean, why did we... We didn't need to see the wedding. No. We didn't... No, I guess we didn't need to see the wedding, but it's a, one of those... Because they also got married extremely. People fall in love with this woman extremely quickly. She's she's, she's, she's that she's, she's that good. She's just that yeah. Good. Look at the hats. Look how she wears. Look at those hat. hats. So many hats. And the trunks full of gowns. Uh, yeah. yeah, she came prepared. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just a part of me loved when she first shows up at the house, and uh, she said, "This this closet is not big enough." <laughs> part of me wants to believe that. She didn't realize that that was a good way to look into the other closet. She just discovered, stumbled upon that because she actually believed she needed a bigger closet. Oh, 100%. I think that's what happened. Yeah, no, in this room? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to need more closet space. Can I have the keys yeah. to every this closet? This is stupid. <laughs> Do you know how fancy I am? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think you're Bergman. Apparently, Amazing. this was remade in 1992. By who? Who's in it? Uh, the guy who played Lex Luthor in. Lois and Clark. Oh, my, uh, Michael Rosenbaum. No, no, Lois and Clark. John Shea. Like I'm talking like nineties oh, like, television. Look at, this, look at this poster. You can't really see that. Oh podcast, yeah. Oh yeah. That looks terrible. And who's who else? The, who's, who's the, the girl? Marissa Berenson? Who? That sounds very familiar. None of those people sound familiar to me. I don't know. And a French gentleman. I always. Vincent Cassell's dad. It looks like. I do not feel the need to oh, watch that Cassell. remake. Really. Uh, yeah, I don't. Okay, yeah. I'll confirm that. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Uh, why? It's just to see, it, see how 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 bad it is. Yeah, I guess. Out of curiosity. That's true. Yeah. I guess it's just it's one of those ones where it's like, it is like one of the the deeper cuts for Hitchcock, and so it's it's one of those ones that it's like you feel like you maybe can remake because you'd never touch some of the classics. Yeah, who would who would who would have the gall to remake that one? Yeah, well, I guess yeah. Gus Van Sant remade Psycho. Shot true, for shot. True, but I think that was an interesting was that experiment. Gus Van Sant. Yeah. 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 Oh, what a weird choice! It's uh, a cool, it's a cool movie. I think it's an interesting formal experiment more than anything else. Vaughn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they even remade the title sequence and everything. It was yeah, it's shot for cool. shot. It's kind of it's really fascinating as a, like as an experiment. But and William H Macy is in it. 
it's, it's see the original first, okay. for the love of God. All right. Yeah, watch the original one first. Why? It's a shot for shot remake. <laughs> that's not true. There's one scene in it that's in the remake that was in the script that they didn't right, include. Right. Right. That I will not ruin for you. Um, okay. It's something that they. I'm surprised they actually shot it. But it's definitely something that would not have passed the Haste Production Code at the mm, time. Right, right. What is this Haste Production Code you keep Haste mentioning? Production Code came in in the late 30s, early 40s. It was basically, it was just um, this thing. It was this list of rules that was like, you can't do this in movies. You can't do this. You can't do this. And you can't do this. And a lot of it was had to do with how, you know, married, if, you, if people had sex, they had to be married. And if it, not, they had to be punished for it. Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of punishment. It's like you could you could show a woman of loose morals, but she had to pay for it at the end. What about a gentleman of loose morals? No, no, never, never. No, no, never, ever. A man could cheat on a woman, but no, yeah, if the never, woman... Never. Or not even cheat, just like have sex with no yeah. with no comeuppance. Uh, I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't have done that anyways, but the man probably wouldn't have paid for it in the same way that a, a woman would. Certain thing, but, but yeah, you yeah. can show drunk driving, apparently. that was. Oh, yeah, of, they just went for it with that. Yeah. yeah, But there's, I mean, it's interesting to look it up. Because it was I'm, one of those things. How do you it spell was, it? I can't wait. Oh, H H A Y E S. Okay. Um, and it was the kind. It was the kind of thing that came in at the beginning of World War Two, I believe. It was around that time. I thought it was. A, it was before. It was in the thirties because there was when when sort of talkies came on the scene. People were just like, "Yeah, let's go nuts. Let's make all kinds." Yeah, of and they did. Stuff. And there was some interesting. We did um uh a uh, an episode of Ernst Lubitsch's uh, pre code movies, and they're racy. In the yeah. like 1930s, and it's just movie. You know, it's just like the first couple of musicals that came out. He kind of invented the movie musical, and they're kind of raunchy and racy, and people are having affairs, and it's cool. But then the Hayes Production Code comes in. I think it's around World War II because specifically, you know, the uh, the government in, in the states was looking at Amer- of movies as these. You know what? These are really powerful. These can be propaganda pieces. Right. And what we can really sell is our American morals. And so the Hayes Production Code came in to make sure that people knew what the American morals were. And so they had to follow certain rules that had to do with like family values. Mostly right. it, was, it was around that. And so that's why television was the way it was. And so, and, and, and this lasts until like almost the independent era of the 70s, late 60s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, late 60s is when you start breaking through. And there's, there's examples of, like, the 50s of, like, them trying to, like, push the envelope. Yeah, like, Rebel Boat Had a Cause and movies yeah. like that. They're, they're starting Man, to start Man with the Golden Arm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. starting to, like, see where they can get away with some stuff more and more. But it's also why this is the time period in film where, like, all of the foreign films are way more interesting than any of the American right. Not any of the American films, but they're just way more interesting in terms of character and story because they can tell stories that they can they're not, not tell. bound by these weird studio and, weird unspoken studio rules and yeah. exactly like who's enforcing like who is haste to make up this production well, I mean, haste it was are, it was sort of the precursor to like the mpaa where they 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 make the ratings for movies you know it was just like i see but I, the studios were enforcing them they wanted they would be fined i guess if they yeah or, the, or the movie would get had to have to be re-edited it was just like a you know a, it a could be re- i'm sure it couldn't yeah. be released yeah yeah you know, it wasn't like, you know, it's not like now where there's thousands and thousands of things being made a year and you can just put it up on YouTube. You know, it's like things are only being released through theaters. There's no home movies. Yeah, all, right. through, all so, through the major studios. Yeah, only mostly. a few movies are coming out. Only a few movies are coming out a month. You know, it's not a huge volume of things. So mm-hmm. it's like if something's going to play in this cinema for the American public, yeah. it needs to be approved by the, by the Hayes Production Code at that point. And it wasn't like you could sneak something in because everyone knew it was coming out. Right. Because movies were... Uh, a, a more of an event 
at that point mm-hmm. in time, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a it's a fascinating thing. It's like I don't know if anyone's ever really made a a, a good documentary on, on it. There must be. There's stuff, at, least, there. at least touches on it, uh, you know, on, on censorship in Hollywood, and, and you know, because that kind of bleeds together with the whole blacklist and everything as well. Yeah. Oh, there's been tons yeah. of movies with the blacklist because yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood loves to tell stories about how great they are at fighting the fighting the man. Yeah. Well, being uh, the man. But it is a fascinating <laughs> thing that it's like that kind of like when you rewatch movies from the, this era. It really, you can see, it colors it. So it's like, it's one of those things that if you study film history, mm. you really got to look at the Pace Production Code and how it impacted movies. Um, both here, but then all the European filmmakers were almost like doing all these really racy things, almost as a way to like make fun of the Americans for how, <laughs> how tight they're... Prudish. How prudish and how, and what they couldn't get away with and what right. they couldn't do. Right. You know, so you even get like... Uh, there's stuff like I, I was, I'm just rewatching uh, Sergio Leone's movies, um, and and he's doing stuff in like um, for a few dollars more in, in, in those movies that he didn't realize you couldn't do in movies. Mm. And so when they got you know those are Italian movies technically that got redubbed here and redone here, but stuff like shooting a, 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 an animal you can you can't do that on screen but he did it and they put it in the movie and they released it right. and then after they probably got, just got fined and they right he's smoking a cigarette in a certain way or smoking i think there's actually an implication that he's smoking marijuana in that movie cuz mm, probably he's holding right, right. it maybe maybe but uh but it's just it's inter- so there's that kind of stuff is going on but uh yeah it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing to see but it's also really interesting to see how Filmmakers kind of like dance around those things and, and kind of mm-hmm. do some interesting in creative things. ways, like you know, yeah. using using uh, implication. Yeah, well, you couldn't show the inside. You couldn't show a toilet being flushed. You couldn't show like hit, like the first or time. You, yeah, you couldn't show a toilet, let alone hear it flush. Yeah, there's yeah. actually in Psycho actually. It was a big deal. Right, that was the first time. That was the first time a toilet was yeah. ever flushed in a studio movie <laughs> in Hollywood. Because for some reason, part of the Hayes production code was like, we can't see toys being flushed. Can you just ima- imagine someone being just like scandalized by that? Seeing Psycho, oh my goodness, a toilet flush noise. And then 10 minutes later, a murder in a shower. But also then the production designer has to be, hey, now how you're building the bathroom set, the toilet has to be operational. It's like, ah, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have to put plumbing in this goddamn very set? Very important, very important. Uh, yeah, because well, there's also a big shower scene. I guess you could show showers at that point. But I think the toilet was just because usually, you know, feces goes down the toilet, but they're flushing something in there. She's the flushing some sort of evidence. information or yeah. evidence, yeah. That's another you're, you're movie. You're just got yeah, a bewildered face. Sorry. Look on her face that you can I mean, see. this is just... Oh, look it up. It's kind of like one of those things where you read that, like those weird small town American laws that if you if you stop this stop sign for more than three seconds, you have to pay a fine and a bushel of apples. It's like shit like that. It's for sure a Wikipedia like black hole that you can just fall down. A black black hole, yes. Yeah, just type in. Yeah, go to Wikipedia. They'll have at least a list. And and it, and it changed over time. I'm sure it got revised I'm and sure. added to, and and then they got more lenient as it went away, and then eventually it got replaced by the MPAA. I think. I assume so. Yeah, I don't or know. Some exactly. version of it yeah, that yeah. then became the MPAA, which uh, now just votes on things arbitrarily. And depending on which committee you get, you might be more lenient or not. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's some amazingly fun stories about, you know, filmmakers, even in the 70s, having to re-edit sequences or, you know, they're particularly violent just to get around. Yeah. 
I have seen MPAA I have people, seen yeah. documentaries on the MPAA. Yeah, yeah. And the censorship. Then they must actually. address the Hayes Code because that's sort of the genesis of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so does this make you want to watch more Hitchcock Jess? Yes. Yes, and probably more from this era. I feel like I I may I may have misjudged it. Or maybe misjudged it is wrong. I think I may be more interested now at the age that I am and appreciate it in a different way than when I was younger and sort of like searching out film. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I there's always entertaining. Like, there's always like some kind of dry, there's really dry comedy to it and, and the banter, the dialogue's always crisp and But fun. that's the thing. I think that looking at it from afar, I assumed that the acting would be so broad and that the dialogue would be so dry because they have to conform to these like standards, rules, fucking of the time era bullshit that I was like, I just won't, I won't enjoy this. I'll find it really, um, insincere. And I didn't at all. I, I mean, Ingrid Bergman is fucking fantastic. That's kind of interesting. You, you say that because I, I was expecting the Cary Grant I'm used to seeing is the North by Northwest or like the 1930s, like fast talking Cary Grant who, who you know, can deliver lines like a mile a minute, you know, that kind of movie where, where you're expecting that sort of tone that you, you don't, you don't seem to like. And I'm I'm not a fan of that either. And and seeing him just play it so like straight, straight and yeah. aloof and cold is like oh, you know this is interesting. Like he's stretching his himself a little bit as well here. And I'm sure that would have been for audiences at the time. Like oh, Cary Grant, he's really playing off off uh, off character here. Yeah, you definitely you gotta watch North by Northwest. North by Northwest is is essentially like the first Bond film. If Bond didn't know what the fuck he was doing <laughs> and wasn't yeah. actually an agent, and but everybody was, thought he was. But everyone thought he was. It's great. North by Northwest is easily one of my favorite films. And Rear Window is phenomenal, too. Rear Window is, is again, Rear Window, I think of that movie as, like, Hitchcock at the height of his genius. Mm. Because it's it all takes place in an apartment overlooking a courtyard. Just a beautiful, amazing set. And then you think of that, it. and you're like, oh, that sounds like it should be a play. But it's so cinematic. And it just shows yeah. like what this guy can do with a camera, yeah. And with like it's a bit, it's a built set, yeah. But it's just and, and that movie is so. If you want to talk about like making a movie about point of view, like that one's to study just to see how Absolutely. you make a movie from a singular point of view and make it engaging and cinematic with one location. Hmm. Phenomenal. If you're looking for something else from this era, like of like '40s Hitchcock, uh, Strangers on a Train is like. It would be, be a nice piece of this. I know about Strangers on a Train because it's, it's referenced. Well, it's also referenced so often. Yeah. Like in, in terms of like how to how to get away with murder. Like Strangers on a mm. Train is like just a, a, a phrase you can say. Yeah, yeah. Remade and people is, know what and, that is. And remade is throw mama from the train. Oh, no. <laughs> See, that I've seen. So the, the, that's like, that's kind of like a black comedy version of uh, Strangers from a Train. <laughs> Strangers on a Train. Strangers, Strangers on, on a train. train. Well, and is that the one that he made twice? Ah, uh, no, I don't think. No. The Man Who Knew Too Much is the one he he remade his own movie. I want to go deep into the Hitchcock blondes because that's what I have heard about um, Alfred Hitchcock is that he wrote some really interesting characters for women at the time that weren't necessarily. Well, there's also don't go too deep no. into, into reading about it he's because he's got he was, some issues. He's with got it. some. You're, the, you're going to be upset when you read. That's the world, guys. Yeah. There, uh, there was def- a bit of an obsession for him, which he sort of extended out onto his screen work. Uh, yeah. And the, and Why are we protecting him? I think he's gone. No, he's yeah, yeah, talking no, about no, him. But he's he's pretty, pretty, I don't want to say anything bad about him because then he'll hear it and be mad. He was apparently pretty terrible to Tippi Hedren oh, really? and the birds and just, you know, just generally 
very unpleasant around certain women. And he was obsessed with Bergman too. Like yeah. He was, you know, yeah. he doted on her in ways that were probably not always comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Vertigo is kind of all about like a one dude's obsession with a blonde woman figure right, right. more than an actual person. Cool. But I'll, oh, should, yeah. But you wanted the, Hitch- the Hitchcock blonde and all Hitchcock's blonde is Grace Kelly in Rear Mirror or Rear Window. Yes. Oh, it's just, she's just like, this, her introduction shot is just, it's just, yeah, he loved her, you can tell. Well, I have to say, I think that for watching um, a movie that's black and white, especially a movie from the 40s that is so opulent, seeing it big is the way to go. Like, see, I don't think I would have enjoyed this film if I'd watched it on my computer. Mm. Yeah. I think ha- having the luxury of watching it on the big screen with you guys is w- makes the experience way more enjoyable for me. Yeah, and well, it's just especially a filmmaker like him who is so rich in detail. You know, it's nice to see it big because you notice things yeah. that you might not notice watching it on your laptop or mm-hmm. watching it even on the home screen. No, it was it was great to see, and and, and there's also an element of like you know we're sitting down to do this. We have to watch it. We're we're not going to be on our phones. We're just going to you know engage with the movie in like the best way possible. I I always engage with the movie. Isn't it sad? But isn't it sad yeah. that that's the era we live in now? It's like most people watch, half watch movies. When well, watch I, movies and I, I'm, I'm guilty of that uh, for sure. But like if I go see a movie at the Lightbox or in a theater, like I'm there, I'm in it. Right. Whereas like I, I know it's exactly like that. Like if I watched this at home, I would have tuned out or I would have had to pause it and go do something else. But like something about just being captive to a movie is is helpful. In that respect. It's true. That's how we roll here at Black Hole Films. <laughs> I make you sit down and watch the fucking movie. Jeremy has locked the door. If it's long, <laughs> you can maybe stop and pee. That's happened a few times. We, well, we've watched some three and a half hour That's movies. True. So, you know, bladder sizes are only so generous. <laughs> if the dog's going to be okay. If that dog, okay. Rufus can hold it and, and for longer than most... I, that I was gonna say, like, yeah, he's good, impressive. He, I've never, he's never like clawed at the door to have to go to the bathroom ever that I've seen, ever. He's great. Sweet boy. He just holds it in that guy. This uh, is the Jeremy brags about his awesome dog. Say, yeah, the show. He's, people know it, Rufus. Sometimes he <laughs> makes noises. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts? I really liked it. I really, really liked it. I've never seen a Cary Grant film. Oh. I've never seen an Ingrid Bergman film. So many, like, And I've never seen an Alfred Hitchcock film. So I would like to say that my cherry was juiced. Oh! There we go. I like the running with that. That's hard to top. Uh, I think this might have been the first movie I've actually seen Ingrid Bergman in, weirdly enough. Oh! But, you know... But you haven't seen Casablanca? Oh, I, like ages ago. Oh, ages that's true. I have yeah, seen sorry, I have seen that. No, I always forget that. But no, um, really good. I mean, it goes without saying that like he's sort of like up, starting to operate at like his peak at this point, and yeah. it doesn't really slow down until early sixties. Um, yeah, and I, I, I really just want to dig into some of his later stuff, which nobody ever talks about, um, as well as uh, like uh, the early, early stuff. Like, there's, there's the weird like. There's silent films that Hitchcock did, and then there's stuff in the 30s that was just sort of like, I don't know. There's got to be something there. There's got to be hints of what we yeah. saw here yeah, and no. some of that earlier work as well. So it's just, it's great. It's cool. No, he's influenced by, I've got a project that, that continues to threaten to be made that's very, I see it as like my version of a Hitchcock movie. And so I'm, I'm, I, uh, I've been slowly revisiting and just really just like bathing in, just the, just some of the genius of what he does and seeing what I can steal. 
And well, if you want to talk about stealing from Hitchcock, you should watch some of the Palma movies. Oh, yeah. He's all about that. Just channeling, uh, trying to channel Hitchcock's magic. To yeah. There's limited success. In some, no, some yeah, cases. Yeah. 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 He's a very... De Palma, when he's great, he's great. When he's not, it's fine. <laughs> it's not even that. He's got some new movie coming out. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. With Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. And it just looks awful. Poor guy. Oh, Poor guy. Poor De Palma. Yeah. He's I'm always, sure he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. He eats very well. Whatever he eats. I assume he eats well. I'm Maybe. sure he has a lovely garden. He uh, sat next to me at a screening at TIFF. Uh, once and uh, just blasted farts the entire movie. Ha! So that that was that was my close encounter with Brian De Palma. He's a, he's he's gassy guy. You hear here, folks, folks <laughs> Brian De Palma, gassy. He's a gassy guy. Hot gas. So that that's how we're ending. Jess was juiced and you got gassed. There All we right. go. There we go. Well, thanks. Wait, what about you? Me, I loved it. I thought it was. I I I, I wasn't sure as it was going on. I'm like I was really enjoying their relationship. And I was like, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, this is just a small, intimate film. But then I loved how it just really started to build. And I love that last scene because I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go. It's like, maybe he'll tell him that maybe he won't. Like, this could go any way. And I love that. I just love the pressure. I love when they came out of the bedroom and he had her, like, Cary Grant just lays all his cards on the table. He's, there's no longer any... any Facade. Facade. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, this, I know that you know who we are. I'm going to save her. And if you want to stop me, go tell your buddies what's going on. And just like that, putting that pressure on, on um, Sebastian, it's such a brilliant, brilliant moment. And you, you believe they say you don't know what's going to happen. And it's probably because his mom caved. That he caved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was waiting for his, his mom. He goes uh, to his yeah. mom with everything. He's a mom. Should I do She's like, no, she's going to the hospital. It's all good. Let her go. <laughs> Don't let, let them go. know. No, but you know, they're, all, they're both dead. Yeah. The mom, do you think the mom dies? Yeah. They're going to take take. Here's the thing. Take them I don't road. believe they can kill that little woman. I believe, <laughs> she's I, believe, out the I believe she's already gone upstairs. She's got Joseph the butler, and they're going to gun those fuckers down. Jeremy, she's been dead for 50 years. That's the other movie. <laughs> That's Psycho. No, I believe that she's the kind of person that she's like... Wait, did you just tell me the end of Psycho? No, I did not. Oh, Continue God, I hope along. not. And then, and then uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to believe... God damn it! ...that she's the kind of woman who's like, yes, you will kill me, but before I'm dead, I will rip out one of your eyes. Yeah, she's not going down without a fight. <laughs> so which one of you wants to lose an she's eye? She's going to light that cigarette up yeah. and be like, who's, who's first? Her here? hair is trained in And then they all, they all back up. Oh, there's that, what is it? Is it... Um, Tim Robbins is that great line in uh, in Shawshank Redemption. Whatever you put in your my mouth, you're gonna lose. Oh yeah. When, it, when he's in prison, it's like, so who's gonna fight him then? It's like, all it's right, true. yeah, true. maybe we won't rape you today. I haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. Oh, what? Jess, you would love Shawshank. All right, I know that's that's the beauty. We all know this about Jess. <laughs> Jess the gift our, keeps on giving. That's that's great. She's our eternal movie version. Yeah, I'm like a I'm like a goldfish. It's the first time for me every time. Every time. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Let's all go to the. Lock. Thanks for joining us for Notorious. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, Go watch something you've never seen before. 
Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.